Welcome to Governmental Astrology. I'm Linda Rowe. Today is April 15th, 2020. Today, I'm going to continue talking about the unlimited explosion energy of the virus. In yesterday's episode, or I think it was actually two days ago, I spoke about how the unlimited explosive energy of the virus is the same energy as the unlimited explosive energy of the expanding universe. At least our part of the universe is unlimited in its explosive energy. We are shooting out into space so rapidly that one day we will be in our own little universe with a dark sky at night. And I'm gonna put up a link to Stephen Hawking's writings. And that way you can read what he said and not be too confused with what everyone else is saying. Uh, The people that Google is putting up when you do a Google search are not the people that uh, I'm listening to necessarily. Stephen Hawking is the person that I'm listening to. And some of Stephen Hawking's writings are a little difficult when he's in his scientific mode, particularly the, the one that I'm putting up the link to. However, there are probably videos of him speaking on YouTube, and there are at least two books that he wrote for the layperson. I wouldn't necessarily be putting everything up, everything together in the way that I am, except as I've said, I am receiving communication from Earth, and her messages, once you begin understanding them, are hard to ignore. And that is what I'd like to do today, to go into the way that Earth communicates. Earth is a very gentle and receptive being. And if you've ever felt the power of her energy, you might disagree. Uh, I felt the power of her energy one day when I was swept out by a riptide. And that experience for me was life-changing, although at the time... I would have only been able to tell you how skittish I was of the ocean for many years. And that even now, I'm still fairly skittish of the ocean and also of big rainstorms, as we had a big flood here in Colorado several years back. And that experience was a very similar experience for me to being carried out by the riptide. But Earth is not pushy with her messaging even if sometimes I can be pushy. I'm, I'm not the earth, however. And uh, even so, I am much gentler as a result of my experience with earth than I ever was before I began realizing I was having this conversation. I will say that it, being gentler does not make me a pushover, nor does it mean that I don't react to things emotionally. I have big emotional reactions to what I am seeing and what I have seen and what I've experienced. And you probably only need to wait about five minutes just to see me cry. Um, I do it pretty often. I have to say I am astonished at some people's ability to remain unmoved in the face of great tragedy. Sometimes, most of the time, when I overwhelm people with my emotional responses, It's really the result of having grieved for so much that we humans are missing Uh, with our violence, I guess I would say. 
And it's with this in mind that I'm continuing to do this podcast. And I'm also doing this podcast simply because I'm learning so much. Um, There is so much to learn, and sometimes uh, I only understand something after I've said it. So you are on this first journey with me that I've ever taken through this messaging that I'm getting from the earth. And I know it can be a zigzag journey at times, um, but I do uh, urge you to contact me and ask questions. I can't imagine that um, you're not confused sometimes by what I'm saying. So anyway, here we go with today's theme. Yesterday, I started out in space describing the unlimited energy that I see. Um, we, when we humans refer to unlimited energy, usually, um, we actually mean it to, we can use as much energy as we want. If it's unlimited, it's, we can use everything that we want. But if I'm using as much energy as I want to, it, it means that I'm the one that's unlimited. In essence, it's the same as saying that our dad gave us the credit card and we have no spending limit. However, this is a very self-centered definition of energy. It's a receiver's definition. Let's look at the theme of petroleum for a second. Um, petroleum isn't unlimited, but we sure treat it that way. Um, if, but let, if we turn it around, we can look at petroleum from Earth's perspective. When those first guys started inventing the automobile, Earth was concerned. She knew that petroleum was going to be a bigger and bigger phenomenon. In essence, Earth knew that petroleum was going to explode. Petroleum got bigger and bigger and faster and faster. And now petroleum has taken over the world, and you can find it everywhere. It's in our curtains, our flooring, our medicine. It's in our clothing. We drive around with petroleum products on the inside of our car, and our cars are powered by petroleum. We breathe the waste products of petroleum. It's nearly, if not completely impossible, to live on Earth without having been impacted by petroleum. This is explosive energy from Earth's perspective. And interestingly, we are experiencing this same explosive energy with the virus. And we're experiencing it in the same way that the Earth is experiencing petroleum. What started out as small grew and grew exponentially until now it is nearly impossible to live on this planet and not be impacted in some way by SARS-CoV-2. This is monumental and we need to realize what is happening. The way that humans looked at petroleum before was how useful was it? Always, petroleum was seen as an opportunity. Look at what we can do with petroleum. It has revolutionized our lives. But the way to really look at petroleum 
is as an explosive energy. We drive around in cars, and the cars are powered by this explosive energy. We put our children right on top of the gas tank, and we drive around, sometimes quite crazily, even with our children in the car. And they're sitting right on top of this extremely explosive liquid. Of course, it's not as explosive when it's a liquid, but you know what happens with liquids. They become gases with no trouble at all. And when, a gas is, and when gas is a gas, so to speak, explosions occur. Well, not in my car, you might say. Yes, in your car, right under where your precious child is sitting. And you leave your child in the car, buckled up, in fact, all by themselves, inside the car, when you step out to fill your gas tank. And there are warning signs all around, posted at the gas station. And yet we never think what could happen. Hmm. That we're really pouring an explosive liquid in right underneath our children. But it never explodes, you say. Well, that's what we said about the virus. Who worries about viruses? We get the flu virus every winter. I said at the beginning of all this, we should be worried about the flu virus too. But we're not. We're only worried about what we are told to worry about. It's true. Explosions occur because one thing comes into contact with another. This pandemic occurred when the virus was able to exponentially increase when it came into contact with human cells. Gas molecules explode when they come into contact with oxygen molecules. In fact, out of everything that I'm going to talk about today, oxygen is the one common denominator amongst everything. It's an extremely explosive substance, and yet we love it. But generally, in an explosion on Earth, once the substance has been consumed in the explosion, everything stops. If you run out of gas, your car doesn't move. We don't think of an explosion as having a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Well, let me say it a little differently. We don't think of an explosion when it has a beginning, a middle, and an end as a, as a form of a limit, that the beginning, middle, and end is the limit, but it is. Anything that has an endpoint is limited. And we tend to view all of our explosions as having a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it's not true. Some explosions never end. Let's look at some of the secondary explosions that have resulted from these original uh, pandemic explosion in, I guess it was early December when it started exploding. Um, one of the secondary explosions that we've seen is toilet paper. And it's a secondary explosion. It, uh, it's a fairly important one, just because we can see it. Um, we were all told to go home at the beginning of the virus. And many people stopped at the market on the way home and bought a lot of toilet paper. I'm being somewhat facetious, but basically we all bought up all the toilet paper soon after being told to stay in our homes. We bought up all of the flour and all of the cleaning supplies, and then we bought up most of the food 
These are all mini explosions, but you can actually feel them. You can enter these mini explosions. You can feel it. You can feel the energy behind and in the purchasing of all of these items. And here's the important thing. That energy still exists. It's still hanging around. Why is it, why is it hanging around? We don't really know. But each of us knows that it's going to be difficult to find toilet paper for the foreseeable future. It's going to be difficult to find flour. And it will be difficult to find those wipes that everybody seems to like. And I haven't even said anything yet about masks or gloves. All of this is a secondary explosion that we experienced and that we are still in the midst of even though we are probably trying not to purchase toilet paper or flour or wipes right now. This hanging around of the energy, it's extremely important. It's what the virus is going to do to us as well. The energy of this virus will always be present, really, until we manage to get rid of it completely. We call getting rid of a virus eradication. And we managed it with smallpox, except that we didn't really trust that we had actually eradicated smallpox, and so we kept it in two locations. But I want you to feel what it feels like to have the energy of a viral explosion still hanging around. Imagine, <clears throat> when we put our feelers out there, we can feel it. We begin stepping out of our house, and the virus will be present, even in its absence. The need for toilet paper is still present. Even if a few rolls of it appear in our store, we know that it's not going to be there for long. And the same thing with masks. Somehow I think that you can feel this suspended energy of the viral explosion. It's the difference between an explosion of a car or a house due to a gas link leak. As I said, that type of explosion has a limit to it. It has an actual beginning, a middle, and an end. The car explodes. It's one and done. The house explodes. We fix the gas leak and we move on. We know there's always a risk, but we're not actually sitting in the middle of cars exploding. We call sitting in the middle of the explosion, waiting for the other shoe to drop. There was a time when we were waiting for cars to explode. It was back when I was a kid. There was a car, I think it was the Ford Pinto, and for some reason Ford Pintos exploded with some regularity. We'd see a Ford Pinto driving by and we'd make comments about how it was going to explode. And a couple of years ago, there was a problem with airbags. They were exploding. Um, I think it was with Toyota cars and some other brands, too. Uh, they put some new part into the airbags, and that new part somehow allowed the airbag to explode with very little input. And while we were in the middle of that, you could feel the suspended energy of airbags that hadn't yet exploded especially if you were driving one of the affected models of cars. But it seems that nearly everybody got their car fixed and we passed through that energy okay. Earth's energy tends to put limits on the unlimited. 
When I look back, I see that the Twin Towers was an unlimited explosive event. There were so many secondary explosions that resulted in the aftermath of 9-11. Air traffic was affected for weeks. I can't remember how long it took for people to return home after 9-11. I know that I had friends that were trapped in other countries. I had a friend in Iceland, and she stayed there in Iceland for several weeks, unable to return home. I flew to Boston in January of 2002, and it was quite an experience. The airlines were just opening back up. I was going to a conference, and we weren't sure how to make that conference safe. 9-11 had a beginning, and it had a middle, but it has no end. And that's the unlimited nature of this type of explosion. Health conditions are another explosion from 9-11. So many people got sick in the years afterwards, and I'm assuming that people are still becoming sick from what happened to them. Disbelief is also a secondary explosion from 9-11. I have spoken with countless young people who do not and cannot believe what happened. They have a whole set of explanations about what happened that day, who was responsible, and it's difficult to dissuade them from their disbelief. I see this disbelief grows every year. I'm amazed that many young people believe they understand the events of 9-11 better than those of us who lived through the event. I see disbelief as unlimited. In fact, disbelief is already beginning to surround the events of this pandemic. Already I'm hearing multiple explanations of blame, mostly. Somebody, some person, some group, some human being has to be responsible for setting off this virus. I'm amazed at this. We give such power to ourselves. We put ourselves as the kings, rulers of the world. And then the king must be deposed. Conspiracy theories, theories of blame, theories of disbelief. All of this is unlimited. It has no end. Unlimited energy is energy that is foreign to Earth. Unlimited energy is the energy of the conqueror. It is the energy of the invader. We know this in the very most central part of ourselves. We can feel it. And without realizing it, we try to put limits on this energy. We put limits on the energy by surrounding it with boundaries. But the only way that we know to do this is to surround the energy with our beliefs or sometimes with our disbelief. And this makes us feel better. But I'm saying that using belief to surround a viral energy is fighting fire with fire. Beliefs come from the virus. They're unbounded. They're unlimited. And they actually only make the event more explosive, not less. More contentious, not less. Even with the toilet paper, which is a fairly innocuous substance. 
We make fun of the people who bought a lot of toilet paper. We ridicule them. We come up with all sorts of explanations as to what really happened. And somehow this makes us feel better because we have put limits around this thing that has no limit. The reality is we don't have to explain away the toilet paper or the masks or 9-11. What we want to do is to eradicate these unlimited explosive events. And rather than start with ideas and beliefs, we can start with something physical, the virus. The virus is something we do not understand. On top of that, we cannot see it. We're not able to detect its presence when it's in our midst. It's insidious. But turning our energy to this virus will allow us to see what happened. How did the events of this pandemic unfold? We can go back and look. We human beings are pretty good at keeping track of unfolding events. Oh, speaking of looking at unfolding events, there's another secondary explosion from this pandemic. Many journalistic outlets have gone under in the past couple of weeks. And in that case, the unlimited energy is imploding rather than exploding. And we're not used to thinking about implosions as limited, but they can be. You know, with this whole subject, there's so much information to uncover and it's hard to do it in a linear way. Um, I think I'm going to leave the subject of unlimited implosions for another episode. For today, what I want to say is that viral energy is explosive. It's unlimited. And I'd like to say that we have always used the words infinite to describe something without limits. But when we use the word infinite, we have no good idea about what we're talking and so then we use infinite and we put it up into our belief systems. And what I'm saying is instead of putting our experiences with this pandemic up into our beliefs, we can instead spend some time with our physical awareness. We can feel the energy of the pandemic. And I'm hoping that we can begin to feel how this viral explosive energy is different from the native earth energy. When the infinite and the finite interact, the finite breaks into pieces. To help us see this with a slightly different way, or in a slightly different way, I'm going to describe this mathematically. When the exponential and the linear interact, the exponential becomes undefined. And another way to say undefined is to say that normal rules don't apply. I spoke about this in a previous episode. The linear is the life we experience here on Earth. We put one foot in front of the other, we push down and back with our feet, and the Earth pushes up and forward, and this is how we walk. And we can climb mountains this way, by putting one foot in front of the other, and this works nearly everywhere until we come to a cliff or a vertical overhang. And then putting one foot in front of the other doesn't work. You can try it, but you're not going to get anywhere. And that's assuming that you're at the bottom of the cliff. God forbid you should try putting one foot in front of the other if you're standing at the top of the cliff. 
Putting one foot in front of the other will only result in your demise if you're at the top. The cliff face is undefined. It's interesting to me, I used to work in a physics lab. Three years I worked in that lab. It was a huge lab, probably 20 or more grad students and a few postdocs worked in that lab. And I was the only undergrad. And most of the physicists there like to climb mountains. Climbing mountains is a euphemism for climbing cliff faces, straight up and down. That's what the physics students like to do. They liked interacting with the undefined, with the infinite. And as finite creatures, it was one of the reasons that many of them had chosen physics as a subject of study. And now, 30 years later, physics is largely a study of the undefined, of the infinite. Only physics is really trying to find the infinite inside the finite. And to do this, they have to break everything up into tiny pieces. <clears throat> and I'm saying step away from the infinite. It isn't something that we humans need to fool around with. We can fool around with the infinite, sure. In fact, the virus hopes that we're going to fool around with the infinite. The more we're trying to make the earth infinite, the more the virus is happy. We aid the virus by breaking earth up into tiny pieces. If we're wanting to study the infinite, why not study the virus? It's an infinite being. And maybe that's what I'm saying. Let's turn our knowledge and our curiosity of the infinite into a pursuit of the virus. Already we've learned quite a lot about this coronavirus. We know that it has been around much longer than just since December. In fact, from what I'm reading, it was around back in 1965 when I was just a small baby. I often see astrologers who are extremely interested in quantum physics. But quantum physics isn't really going anywhere. It's sort of spinning its wheels right now. Let's get the quantum physicists to begin looking at unlimited energy. And we need to look at how viruses interact with physical matter. What is the physical nature of the virus? How do they move around the earth? What is the mechanism that they use to extract energy from the cell? Remember, viruses don't have their own energy. They unleash energy from their environment. They feed off of this unleashed, unlimited energy. We need to understand the deep physics of how a parasite utilizes energy from its host. Quantum physics has given us nuclear energy, the nuclear bomb, and this is certainly an unlimited energy source. In fact, the parallels between the way a virus acts and the way a nuclear bomb acts is extremely similar. Instead of continuing to pursue how to get more and more energy from the Earth, let's understand how the virus has extracted Earth's energy for 4.5 billion years or longer. I want to have a quick word also on Stephen Hawking. The paper that I put up is difficult to read. It's difficult to understand. Basically, Stephen Hawking is talking about an explosion that is unlimited, unbounded. 
he talks about this thing that he calls the singularity, which is what I'm describing as a universe of one. When you read Stephen Hawking, or when I read Stephen Hawking, I see that he is talking about the universe, and at the same time, he is talking about himself. He experienced an unlimited explosion inside of his own being. It happened when he was a young man, when he first began experiencing the symptoms of ALS, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. And this explosive energy inside of him swept him away, allowing him to experience things that other people were not experiencing. At the same time, it took him to a place where he was completely alone. In essence, the singularity of which Stephen Hawking speaks is a singularity that he himself was living every day of his life for many years. I hope you can see that by switching our focus, we humans have the ability to transform life on Earth. What would life look like in the absence of unlimited energy? We won't know until we begin to examine that side of the equation. Limitations, we have always thought they were terrible. But I'm hoping that you can see, really, that what's terrible is trying to live without limitation. It just simply isn't an energy that we can allow here on Earth. We're reacting to all of these recent events of the pandemic as if they're going to be finished. When will we get out of here? When will we get back to normal? But this is the new normal. We are now on the other side of the event horizon. We are experiencing everything on the other side of the equation. Eventually, we'll see that living without limits is really stealing from everything around us. Living without limits is what parasites do. Living without limits leaves nothing but devastation in its wake. All right, that's enough for today. I invite you to contact me, my phone number, 720-608-0309, and my email address is governmentalastrology at gmail.com. As always, I'm glad you're here.